to a friend of a friend podcast, an ongoing conversation between friends about race and dot, dot, dot. What is our dot, dot, dot today? I think we're talking about generational Generations, things. Yeah. yes. Generations. I'm excited about this. Uh, we have a couple of guests with us today. I'm going to introduce our first one. His name is Jordan Campbell. He is, I'll call you an influencer in Rochester. You are... A uh, graduate of School 58, World of Inquiry, and uh, you have your own podcast where you talk with other folks in your generation about uh, all sorts of different things, uh, including race, politics, music. Um, it's a really good podcast. I'm going to let you uh, have a minute to say something about yourself and plug your podcast here. Hey, guys. Welcome, Jordan. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, guys. I'm Jordan. Uh Brian gave away a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> like he said, I'm a, a pre- recent graduate. I graduated from World of Inquiry School. Uh, my final project, I couldn't figure it out, and I just realized that I like to talk. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and so I ended up starting the podcast for my senior project. I didn't think it would go this far, but uh, we've made it this far. We have two seasons right now going on. We talk about as much as we can regarding uh, teenage uh, conversation, trying to bring more teenagers into uh, what we're doing, trying to get more adults into what we're going doing as of recently. Uh, it's called For the Future, the number 4DA and then Future. So make sure you tune in. We're on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and yeah. Yeah, it's a great podcast. And, and uh you know, Jordan is uh, being a bit shy here, but <laughs> him and his crew, I believe, have broken a record as they broadcast live for 48 hours straight on YouTube, um, and the entire recording is on all of those podcast platforms, wherever you listen. And it is something to hear uh, people talking for that long, uninterrupted, and the way that conversation flows is is uh, both fascinating and interesting. So um, definitely check that out if you have an extra 48 hours. Or put your uh, mm-hmm. podcast app on double speed and listen to it in 24. <laughs> <laughs> Times two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh. And we also have with us in the building at the table Solomon Hainsworth my son, who is a eighth grader at Nativity Prep and a budding basketball player for CYO. Uh, do you want to say anything more, Solomon? I really love basketball. Okay. Solomon <laughs> loves basketball. Hey, wait a minute. This is this is Jordan's sport too, right? <laughs> no, Jordan knows not I'm messing my with sport him. at all. <laughs> <laughs> from my understanding, and this is only from listening to your podcast, Jordan cannot throw a basketball to save his life. Nope. So he's going to need some help from you, Solomon. <laughs> Solomon's ha- he's he's worked really hard to develop his skills, and he's very proud of his his um, progress this season. So maybe a little coaching might be helpful for your development. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I'm Nikki. And Brian, yes, we we did we failed to introduce ourselves. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, we're, we we're so excited about our guest today. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll kick us off here. Um, I'm really curious, as somebody who um, I guess identifies as a Gen Xer, 
from I see so many great things happening with Gen Z, uh, which is which is where I believe you're at, Jordan. And um, and I and I get impressed whenever I listen to the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm curious what uh, what ignites the fire in you and your friends here in Rochester when it comes to getting involved in your community and doing something positive, whether that's starting a podcast, whether it's, you know, starting some sort of activity that you all do together to better the community or whether it's, um, just having conversation to, to kind of keep things moving. What, what ignites that in you? Uh, there's a lot of things that ignite, ignite that in us, not just in my friends, but like you said, in Gen Z, uh, I feel like, and this is not particularly a bad thing or a good thing, but I feel like it's a lot of uh, us wanting to be famous and us wanting mm. to uh, make, uh, like, have an impact on a lot of people in our community. That's a big thing for us. And so uh, it's become way easier to put your platform out there with social media and with the news and everything. Everybody's, like, one-sided. And so uh, it's very easy to get your idea or your... Uh, yeah, like like I said, your idea out there. And so that's a big drive for my generation. But with my friends, I think, well, me and my friends, it's more of a like we've been we've been like we have a lot of influences in our lives. Like you guys, uh our families are really important to us and you've uh put it in, you put the idea in us to, you know, make a change and help our common man. And so with these conversations that we have, uh, the stuff that we try to do, like including our podcast and including more that's coming regarding for the future, it's all to just like make a change in our community and stuff that we see that is affecting us and our families and our friends and our peers and our teachers, all that stuff that we see, we just, we don't want to see it anymore. And so it drives us to change that. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, you know, this makes me think <clears throat> our generation, Nikki, I, if, if I wonder what would have happened had we had a platform. I mean, what you were saying, you've got this platform, you've got multiple platforms at your mm -hmm. disposal in your pocket where you know you put this out there and it is accessible to the entire world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't even, I couldn't even fathom that when I was young. And it makes me wonder like how that might have affected what I decided to do or what I decided to get involved in. Right. I mean, I still had a drive to, you know, I was still very civic minded and wanted to change the community for the better, but it, it, it wasn't as easy to get the info out. You mm -hmm. know? Sure. Yeah. I think as you're talking, I'm thinking about, um, I, I too always had kind of a civic mind, uh, you know, this, um, I was raised around philosophies of, um, that you can be anything and do anything and change the world. My mother had a very liberal way of thinking and, um, she was, um, I, she didn't use this language, but now that I know what I know, I think she was very, had some feminist thoughts. And, um, and so that was some of my framework, um, growing up. And I, I think about too, Brian, like that generation. And I think the only two ways I could think to push that message would be to be a writer or somehow on radio, like, yeah, and, yeah. and then even in radio, it would have been like pirate radio, right? Like, I remember <laughs> yes, that was such a huge yes. thing in the 80s, like these underground radio <laughs> Got stations. you on shortwave, man. Yes. <laughs> yes, like you couldn't, because yeah. you had to really be part of, yeah. of like the, the, the common message. Yeah. Or even CBs, remember it? There were, oh there were entire communities that like, lived off of their CBs. Their CB. CB. Yeah. Maybe, do you want to explain what CBs are? I have maybe no these, idea yeah, what that is. <laughs> I see Jordan and Solomon looking CB, like what? CB radios were, well, 
you, you usually saw them on people's cars or they were really, really popular in a lot of uh, mobile home communities. Mm-hmm. Like huge antennas. Huge antennas. And it was basically like a walkie-talkie, but you could go long ranges. I mean, oh. miles and miles and miles. Oh. <laughs> um, and truckers, truckers still use them, probably. Truckers are always on Channel 19. And I remember this because a lot of cars that you would buy, your first cars, had CBs built into them. And you could tune into Channel 19 and listen to all the truckers talk to each other and chime in and chat. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was a fascinating time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so when you think about that compared to how we communicate now, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Solomon, I'm kind of looking at, I'm side-eyeing him and we're kind of giggling because just recently um, we realized he doesn't know how to really talk on the phone. He said, <laughs> you want to say a little more about that, Solomon? No, we don't get into that. <laughs> That's a really big thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, you could you could say about it though. It's not to embarrass you, but really, how we discussed, I he doesn't. You don't really talk on the phone, do you? No. How it's do you communicate? To talk in person or just text? Oh, text. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was telling him he had to call somebody. I don't remember who, and he he was rejecting it, and he was saying, "I don't even really know how to talk on the phone," and I thought, "Oh man, you talk to me on the phone, but that's different than whoever I was telling you you had to call." Pretty sure it was for a haircut. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, now Solomon, who we think is in the in the I generation here. Yeah. Wh- what texting? Are you are you actually texting people's numbers, or are you DMing on Instagram, or what's oh, like the Instagram and Inst- Snapchat? Instagram and Snapchat is yeah. it. So you're not actually. Well, you still call it texting though. Yeah. Okay. I sound old probably when I say stuff. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, what's the lingo? We don't we don't know what's the lingo to talk about IG the gram. How do it? Text or yeah, <laughs> yeah, DM or text. DM, okay. I should I should say I'm actually really not old, and I have I, I'm very Nor am I. I'm very in tune with the latest technologies. But <laughs> now, when it comes to DMing, I don't know who to DM on what on what platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even even the word DM, that kind of I don't know. It doesn't. Well, it just means direct message. Yeah, it doesn't resonate yeah. with me. It sounds like you're I don't know DM. What have you? What are you gonna do, do to you, me? So, what is your is your preferred way, <laughs> is your preferred way to talk in person or on the phone, then, Brian? Oh, I I prefer to shout from the mountaintops <laughs> or CB like yeah. CB somebody. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think I think in person is is awesome. I actually think there's a resurgence of this though too. I think that um, at least I've heard this before that people that are have grown up being able to communicate via their phones um, in one way or another are, are really enjoying or um, appreciating this idea of like getting together with people in person. I mean, I see this with, with Jordan and, and um, all of the kids that come over here and like spend time together and figuring out like, I feel like it's a good use of the technology if you're going to communicate with it to figure out uh, better ways to spend time together in person Mm -hmm. and, there is something very different that happens when you're in person, um, even over having a video chat with somebody. Um, but you can correct me if I'm. No, wrong. you're not wrong. That's <laughs> that's pretty much what all my uh, me and my friends do. Like we text each other when we're not around. Like we said, uh, no, we didn't say actually. All my friends are in college, and so like we text, we contact each other, we uh, have group calls all the time. Uh, we have no problem really talking on the phone because we've like built that relationship with each other. But uh, 
as soon as everyone's in Rochester, it's like so easy to just be like, okay, usually everybody meets at Ben's house. Let's all come to Ben's house and just chill. And then like, we're not usually on our phones. We're usually like listening to music, playing video games, or just like enjoying each other's company. And that's just a big thing with, you know, my friend group. But I can definitely attest to what you guys were saying about uh, not being able to, not being able to like talk to other people on the phone. Like, uh, I don't like calling my doctor and scheduling. Uh, like appointments, my brother doesn't like talking to uh, waiters and waitresses at w- restaurants. Like, they, like that's just something that like our generation just doesn't like doing. Like, we we like we're comfortable with our parents, you know, scheduling stuff. You know, talking to people that like we don't usually talk to because like that's how we were raised. That's how we were grown. Like to let our parents order, you know, stuff for us and oh, do that I got, kind of thing. I gotta thing. say, on the back of this, I gotta. This is this could maybe you like this, Solomon. I don't know. Shout out to our local restaurant, Jines. So, uh, Jines, great restaurant. If you haven't been, go. Um, they're not paying me to say this. They're, it's a wonderful place. <laughs> anyway, they have on every one of their tables at this restaurant a little like scan code um, on the table. You scan it with your phone. The waitress doesn't bring you your bill. You don't have to talk to them. You pay everything right there with a little thing that's on the table. <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow, this is like, this is this is wild. But that's now funny. Solomon doesn't have to talk to his to his waitress. <laughs> and, uh, I, feel like that's a... I don't know if I endorse that. <laughs> I, I think I I think. I don't know. I think um, that does sound cool. By the way, that, <laughs> let, me, let me backtrack. Let me. Um, um, but yeah, I think Solomon probably needs to learn how to communicate. That's yes. part of the round. What it highlighted for me is that that I assumed some learning things were going on, and and there's all this cross generational stuff because um, you know I'm I'm Gen X, and I think I I have have some millennial or is it gen y what is it gen gen y gen is, y millennial. is technical, there's millennial those are interchangeable yep so i think i have some gen y stuff about me and that's probably some of my parental stuff is probably more in the gen y mm, side yeah. where i really was like technology heavy and just assumed and jordan to your point um i think uh that is um and, and I'm loosely quoting because we I, I have seen a presentation about a researcher who who did a lot of work around this generational stuff um, who who talked about part of the reason why uh, uh, Gen Z, Z uh, uh, folks are are more technology dependent and, and less direct communicative is because of the parent the parenting mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so yeah. so that is part yeah. of it and i realized that even in my own family that that um um i mean and there's some terms that go with it that um i think we've all heard of like helicopter parent and yeah. and now yeah. the term they're using is lawnmower parent um so a helicopter parent is someone who kind of hovers and, and oh and really okay like, yeah Kind of controlling. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really the word. Like, like really trying to addicted to, to control. Yeah. <laughs> so there was probably some of that. I see Solomon's grin. And um, a lawnmower parent is someone who really kind of mowed everything down and created a path for the the child. And and in the process, um, the child got less problem solving skills, right? Or mm-hmm. sometimes communication skills or social skills. And so that's a bit of what I noticed in my own parenting but I think I don't know if I I guess I said I, I put it to being like I'm saying 
charging that to the millennial side of me or the millennial stuff that I identify with. Um, I don't know if that's so, but definitely I think technology plays a role, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, because that's that's like what's in between, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, is the text the text messages and the phones and well, the... that makes me think of, the, you know, from the technology aspect. What else is affected? When you said parenting, it, it kind of triggered my mind to think of um, how we do tend to really pigeonhole ourselves into a generational ideal when it comes to parenting, and I and I'm probably way more. Um, of an old man when it comes to parenting than I, than I am. Are with you a boomer? No, not that old. <laughs> but, but it makes me think of, um, you know, some of the millennial style of parenting, like we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out for ourselves rather than looking at the research and ideas of what's happened in the past. Like, well, we can almost start over and figure this out from square one. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I wonder how much of that, um, technology affected because technology, especially in the world of Facebook algorithms and things that uh, in your phone showing you things that you would generally already agree with, sends you down these paths of like almost a confirmational bias of, mm. um, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right, oh that's right. And then you dig deeper and you go down these rabbit holes and you find, you know, thousands of sites that agree with your way of thinking and so you think oh this this is this must be it mm -hmm. and um and it's how we ended up with anti-vaxxers and how we ended up with all sorts of um issues in our day that are there was uh there was this lady at my job who was talking about this she said she had watched a uh a documentary on like groups like the anti-vaxxers and the flat earthers yeah. and a flat big Earth, thing about uh, a big thing about that was it's not that you she was saying that she watched this and this is what she got from it. She was explaining how the guy who was explaining the documentary had said uh, he was doing an interview and he had asked a guy, why are you like, why do you agree with the flat earth thing? And he was saying how a lot of the followers don't follow the movement because it's like. I really believe the flat earthers, like the earth is flat, but it's a group that I could be a part of. Like that's a big yeah. thing for uh, for but a lot of people that like just pull want of belonging to, join. to community. Yeah, they want yeah. to belong because a lot of like a lot of the reasons why you know our society is set up. Mm -hmm. Well, not why, but a lot of ways our society is set up as a lot of people are left out, and so you try your hardest to be part of some group, whether you agree with that group or not. That's mm -hmm. a really big thing. That's a good point. Um, that happened. That happened uh, really intensely after nine eleven in 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 two thousand and one. And do you remember this when everybody wanted to belong to the part of the greater community? And so, mm -hmm. the like flag sales were through the roof. Everybody put a flag out. It was like this. Oh, I belong to this community, and it was that longing for community that really um, brought people together. And it's, yeah. and it's what happens when we have huge snowstorms here yep. or anything. It's like, hey we belong to each other and let's help each other out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I often wonder what technology's role is in this um, whole idea of us desiring to belong to community and our almost innate need to belong to community. Um, and I'm sure there's pluses and minuses to this and belonging to a community of flat earthers or how do we mm -hmm. use the technology for good? Um, to promote community and relationship rather than detract from it, you know. Mm -hmm. I think I think we already are 
in yeah. a way. Yeah. I, yeah, I think uh, there's nothing that we can do directly. Well, there is something we can do directly. But, like, it won't change how some people have their influence, and it's a bad influence. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're... Uh, there's a lot of people out here that are going to have, that are flat earthers, you know, and you don't have to agree with being a flat earther, you know, that's their business. But there's going to be people that uh, join that. But also there's going to be people that are like, okay, I want this done in my community. There's not enough gardens in my community. So let me post stuff about gardens to get other people who agree with that to connect with me, you know? Mm -hmm. And social media has made that really easy. And so you can post that, but that won't stop someone else from posting, oh, we don't need more like gardens, you know? Forget gardens, like we don't need it, you know. So will the positives, will the um, the use of this that's creating good and doing good in <clears throat> communities and in the world, will that outweigh the negatives, the the communities that are forming to to promote hate or promote um, things that are not factual or things that are creating some sort of negative aspect? I mean, I like to think the answer to that is yes, but. <laughs> It's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> I oh do you no want to say no I don't have anything. Yeah, I think that that's some of the surprise that I'm seeing. And I I should say um, I am, am have a I have a really like um, touchy like uh, relationship with social media. Like I'm <laughs> I'm always in my head. Like I'm always wrestling with the love hate of social media, and so, and and I um, have experienced both sides of it. To to your point, uh, Brian, that um, we have definitely seen. Um, I, it, for me, I'll just say I, just to give my my history of Facebook because I think it's germane here. Um, I remember. <clears throat> I was a non-traditional college student in my undergrad. And so when Facebook, I had, I went into to SUNY Brockport with a Facebook created for me as part of my onboarding. I never understood it for the first year. So in, in those years, I, I had, this is before it became public. It, initially, some people don't know, initially was um, only circulated oh, yeah. in, in college oh, settings. Yeah. I remember. It didn't go, go public until mm-hmm. 2009. Mm-hmm. And so um, initially, um, it was all for, for college students to communicate and, um, and back then it made sense, right? It was like you're communicating about classes, mm-hmm. you might be, you know, hearing about parties and et cetera. Um, it, it really like served that purpose. And then when it went public, um, for me, the utility was to, I, like I have a lot of long distance family. Um, it, it felt like, oh yes, I can communicate with my family. It felt like a great touch point. Um, and now it's such a small subset of the population. I, yeah. <laughs> well, like a shrinking subset of the population. Facebook? Yes. Do you mean? Yeah. Um, well, because there's so many other platforms, right? And different right. ways to communicate mm-hmm. and et cetera. Um, but I say all that to say that, that even that, it seemed like a great, I'm using air quotes because um, I realize we're doing a podcast. Um, it seemed as if it was, you know, like all those reasons felt great. And then what, what, what I what I noticed today is that um, a lot of the negative side of that 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 um, the I mean we could just take it to politics right yeah. <laughs> like like I'm constantly having to curate my timeline because I I'm just so inundated with um, with um, not so much things that I don't agree with because I can I can take that in um, at one point in time I couldn't it was just too much um, but uh, politically um, but 
things that don't make sense and that I feel like I have, like, how do I, how do I stop this? Like, how do I, how do I change this? And it can be so overwhelming. And so, yeah. I feel like, like some of this is the evils of the corporation though. Like, like, because when Facebook first came out, there, there weren't all of these crazy algorithms that were both getting you, giving you the confirmational bias that you need on the things that you've already liked or the things that you've already seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you were getting in your feed what your friends were saying. And now it is completely tailored and completely uh, focused on both the things that you've purchased the things that you've looked at yep. on the internet, things that you, it's, and it is like, uh, it has this almost evil side of it that's like run by the powers that be mm-hmm. that yep. are curating information for you and telling you what you want to see. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I would love to see like an open source solution where it's like, okay, there isn't somebody sitting behind the helm making billions of dollars on this. This is just, mm-hmm. This is just a peer-to-peer exchange of information, (laughs) which is, I think, what it started as, but... Right, and a way to connect. I mean, I could have said that much shorter. (laughs) Yes, it was a way to connect and a way to to share information, Mm -hmm. and now it feels like it's... um, You're being... It's like you're being infiltrated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, like you're... You know, even if you don't agree with what you're seeing on your timeline, it's like, you know, you, you were exposed to that you know, whatever, that mm-hmm. thought, that... And your friends who are on Facebook have also... They're also scrolling and scrolling through the same sort of algorithms that are feeding them who knows what mm-hmm. and then reposting that. And it's and it's it's kind of a snowball. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So I kind of... Your generation is not on Facebook. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My parents would not let me get Facebook when I was younger. And then it got to a point where... I'm I'm old enough, obviously now, to get a Facebook if I wanted to, but like it's it's too late. <laughs> I don't really know how to use it, but then like you see, it's like I can boomers. attest to. <laughs> it's all boomers on Facebook anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that earlier, how like uh, the younger generation, like we have, like I obviously have friends that have Facebook, but like I have a lot of friends that have deleted it just because mm-hmm. like the, their crowd isn't really there anymore. Like every every, yeah. Yeah. Younger people are just like leaving Facebook and going more towards Instagram and Twitter and Snap. Snapchat. Can I, can, I, can I say this real quick? I don't know how many years ago it was now. Maybe five or six. But um, deleting Facebook is impossible. And it's even worse now than it was five or six years ago. I had to have an attorney sign a letter and, and mail it, snail mail, to a specific office that they told me on the phone. Because I said, I, no, I don't want this deactivated. I wanted actually deleted, and I want all my information gone. And it it took actions and upon actions to make that happen wow. five or six years ago. Wow! And and now I imagine it's even more impossible. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, go up, carry on. <laughs> oh, I feel like we just use Instagram more because we've grown up just using it, and it's just an easier way to connect to your friends. Because I have, like, the only things I follow is sports, and it's easier to find than, like, go on Facebook. And I don't have a Facebook account, but I would use it to just contact my family because they're not around here. And by the way, Jordan Jordan and... Sorry. Do you guys, guys, Solomon, um, do you guys know who owns Instagram? 
Facebook. Facebook. Okay. I was literally just I was literally just gonna yeah. say that. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. 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 So like they know that they know that the younger crowd yeah. was leaving Facebook, and so they created something for the younger crowd, which was Instagram. And not to say that there yeah. aren't older people on Instagram and younger people on Facebook, but they noticed the change, and so they acted upon that change, and it's pretty much the, the same thing, just like evolved. Yeah. Well, I do, I do as a Gen Xer find Instagram far more pleasant to look at than, <laughs> than Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it's less um, less convoluted with yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's easier to maintain as well. Well, not even maintain, but I think it's easier to uh, look for stuff. Like on at least for me, it was on Facebook. It was like so complicated to navigate, find stuff. But on Instagram, like you have everything like kind of laid out for you in a way. Uh, uh, like the the timeline page. On Instagram, it's like, all right, this is what you've been looking at so far. This is what, like, and they, like, separate the the sections. Like, like I said, I watch basketball, I watch football, and I watch videos on Instagram. And they'll literally on Instagram have, like, different, uh, like, feed pages for those specific things. So it's not just, hey, you like sports. It's literally, you like basketball. Here You can scroll through this for, like, Hours upon hours, and it'll be just like basketball videos. You like football, you can scroll through and watch football videos, or you like this, and like it's just like way easier to find what you want. And yeah, those algorithms that you were talking about earlier, it's like really big. So I'm I'm hoping to, um, be, because I know we have limited time, and I'm super excited to have both Solomon and Jordan here. I'm gonna shift us. Nikki's Nikki's gonna kill me. <laughs> Anybody that listens to this knows that this would not be uh, a friend of a friend podcast if I did not bring some politics and race into the conversation. And um, I really want to um, talk for a moment about uh, politics. Uh, So we were talking earlier about changing our communities and doing things for the good um, and being civic-minded and um, helping people out. And this is such an important aspect of, of life um, in my mind. And I think you've got two categories. So you've got the micro and the macro. The micro being the relational level and getting to know people and um, growing in that way. Um, and then that drives us to work on the macro level, which is more of the like uh, institutions and the governments and... Um, things that are going to put policies in place that can help people. Um, and I wanted to talk about that. So, so the, the, on, the, on this macro level, politics, um, what inspires your generations to get involved in politics? Both what inspires you to, to get involved, but also what politicians inspire you? There's, there's uh, for those of you just listening and, and not watching us, uh, <laughs> uh, well, there's some blank stares. <laughs> I think uh, Obama was a really big, like he's the first politician I ever really paid attention to, obviously because he was yeah. the first black president of the United States. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, I did, like I knew who he was, and when he was voted in, I was really young, and so like it's not like I was literally following like every move he did, but he was the first president that I actually acknowledged, and I knew like existed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like obviously I knew George Washington, all these other people, but that's like it's a whole it's a whole different dynamic. Uh, but then I think another big thing is we pay attention a lot to the bad politicians. You don't, uh, and there's a lot of bad politicians, but like top tier, like Donald a Trump. A lot. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. think of Donald Trump. Like everyone knows who Don. Everyone knows who Donald Trump is, but not many people know who like Mike Pence are and like other other you know other people you know, or at least my generation does it. But literally everyone in my generation knows who Donald Trump is. So I think, I I don't know. Like Donald Trump, like he's we all well, I can agree to myself that he's not a good president for for the United States. And so a lot of my peers, a lot of people my age can uh we know who he is, but we just don't know. We were talking about this on our episode the other day, but uh we can tell you why he isn't a good president, but we can't tell you why the decisions he made in Iran were wrong. You know like there's his his racist uh comments, his uh sexist comments and like all the stuff that he does that makes him not a good president, but we can't tell you the decisions that he makes as a president why they're bad. You know what I'm saying? Does that mm-hmm. does that what you, does the badness inspire you guys to get involved? That's a great question. Does it make you, does it make you want to do something? Like how how do we let this happen? Not really. Well, not for me because I just a lot of the time I don't understand politics because mm-hmm. stuff is like, it's just hard to get into for yeah. me. So I just focus on like uh, stuff because it doesn't really matter to me because I've never really like had a favorite president or had a favorite mayor or whoever. And it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, so, but Solomon, you, um, do you remember what you texted me the other day, though, when you heard about um, <laughs> when you heard about the the um, missile attack in Iran. Iran? Oh, I said I'm packing my stuff because well, I... if it affects me, uh, I would be terrified for my life. So I would just want to move away, and I don't want to be affected by anything that happens. Uh, so I'd rather like migrate. Is that the right word? Yes. Yeah, right. Migrate <laughs> to somewhere safer. So you and you thought you were, you heard, you either heard or thought that we're going into World War Three. Yeah. Yeah. That's become like a really big meme. So that's another mm-hmm. way to inspire. But I feel like that's not really inspiring us to do anything but post. You know, like mm. it's it's too many. I feel like it's got to a point where it's way too many jokes. You know, because this is a serious matter. What's going on in Iran? And thousands of American soldiers being deployed into Iran. At first, it was you know you giggled, it was funny, but like it's 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 getting. I feel like it's going too far. Uh, and like I said, we're not really getting inspired to you know do something about it and protest and uh, just come together as community for you know bad news that's going on. You know, because there are people in America who are Iranian and are being treated unfairly because of what's going on in Iran and the same thing in Iran it's even worse like people who are innocent and aren't part of what's going on are being affected in a negative way and we as a community especially the younger community are like simply making jokes about it 
mm. instead of acting upon what's going on. Here's here's my hope about the jokes, though, Nikki, and maybe maybe you have a different idea about this, but um, my hope is that both gener- generation I and um, and Gen Z is that even though there's a whole bunch of jokes about here there about this, there's an awareness now of like, hey, wow, this decision that was made in 2016 is affecting us mm-hmm. or could affect us. And how to maybe this, my hope, maybe this will drive us to like care about this in the future because this whole idea of war and this whole idea that like, so, like a, this crazy person would do something like this and send us into a path that would cause a war. We talked about this in 2015 and 2016 mm-hmm. when, when this man was running. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we had all these ideas like, we just watch, this mm-hmm. is going to happen. <laughs> well, and can I just say yeah. really quickly that, that and this is, this is part of like the, the nuanced stuff that, like to, to Solomon's point, that, that younger people don't necessarily understand is that the the day after this uh, this missile attack happened and this um, official was killed? Guess what we stopped talking about? Impeachment. Impeachment. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it was all that was all part of the plan. Right, yeah, and right. he and he so, literally said that about Obama. Right. He literally said that, like he said that Obama wanted to be voted in again, and so in order to be voted in again, he would cause problems with Iran. Star War, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing what he said Obama would do years ago yeah. when Obama Projection. was in office. Yeah. Projection. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's it's also well documented that that during Clinton's impeachment, he bombed Sudan. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so it's it's a yeah. well used mm-hmm. tactic. Um, but I think, and we've talked about this on here on our podcast, that that part of the part of the method of of staying in control is keeping people people ignorant, right? And so, to Solomon's point, the average person, we don't learn. You have to really apply yourself really hard to understand the the complications and the the really deep the deeper history of politics, and it's it's. Um, it's complicated for a reason, and it's to keep people out, to keep the average yes. person mm-hmm. ignorant. And yes. so, um, and that's when. So when you all hear people kind of gripe about the government and the red tape, that's really what they're talking about because the government has so overly complicated the average thing to like get a permit or to you know it's so it's so complicated for the average person to navigate, and then they give up and they don't care and they're making jokes and they're just kind of like throwing their hands up. Like that's all a yeah. method of, of kind of control and of staying in power. And I know it, you know, it might even sound like conspiracy, conspiracist maybe to, to say that, like I'm listening to myself and it does kind of sound like, <laughs> Oh, I'm, you know, like I, I, I don't mean to sound like flat earth or like, you know, the world's out to get us, but I think that there's a lot of evidence to support. Yeah. And so that's one positive thing of online, right? Like yeah. if we were, if I was saying this in the nineties, I might have been, you know, categorized in a different way but now i think we're exposed to so much truth mm-hmm. that we might be numb to some of it right mm-hmm. but but i think there's so much truth out there to support it's not always clear what's truth and what's not but i think that we have access to so much fact knowledge truth information let me maybe just say that mm-hmm. yeah no i think um 
I, I think you hit you hit the nail on the head, Nikki. I think it's like um, <laughs> it's so interesting to me that we have so much access to information now, and it's it's almost caused us to go backwards. <laughs> Well, <laughs> did we talk about this before? There's yeah. some, there is some, there is some, yes. I mean, so there's also some research search that shows that having too much choice oh, yes. mm-hmm. is ineffective. It, people can, it's, it's too much for people to try to process through. And, yeah. um, so maybe we're going through a little bit of that. But I, I am feeling really hopeful. I am feeling like, um, we, we have a situation where, the old guard is dying off, and the 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 old white GOP is slowly losing its foothold. Even though there's some continued cheating to maintain that with gerrymandering, and and mm-hmm. um, I, I think that there's um, there's a there's a new uh, there's a new thing on the horizon, and it is. Uh, and, and my prime example that we talked about it last week is is. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like mm-hmm. AOC, is like on Instagram and connecting with the average person who has been overwhelmed by politics. And um, and even though it may not have reached the I generation yet, it feels in my mind like it is getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when you make, well, about AOC, when you say stuff about her, you know, posting stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, getting the word out there, how do you, like, what about Donald Trump? Because he tweets stuff like every day. Right, right, so but it's not, the... but it's nonsense. Yeah, like, right. like she's getting people engaged and involved in doing some actions and 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 telling them what's going on, and 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 he's promoting what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like it's the difference between using it for good and using it for okay. evil, and, um, and she's I, like challenging from the inside. Brian, you, you right. brought her to my attention, mm-hmm. not brought her to my attention, but reminded me the, of the work that she's doing. Which is her message is really changed from the inside versus mm-hmm. getting to the to the position and repeating the the pattern that, mm-hmm. that we're trying to disrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's she's disrupting. She's she's doing her best to disrupt the pattern. Yeah, I worry for her life because of it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's it's fascinating. So I wanted to touch on something that that Jordan said um, a little bit ago, and this was about the importance of. Um, Barack Obama and him being the first African American president, and and I and I don't know if we've talked about this or not yet on the podcast, but um, uh, Barack Obama as um, somebody who is biracial, mm-hmm. and and I wondered how that affected your outlook or feelings about him or having a president that that was more relatable for you, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a definitely a positive experience during 2007 to, you know, be part of that election, to vote, be a part of voting him in, to see representation. I mean, I don't, and, and I say this often, um, I, I don't pretend that I know like all the intricacies of politics. It's, you know, and so I'm one of those who I, I understand it from, from a distance, I've leaned into it a little more over the years to be able to even have these dialogues. But um, I'm, I'm, there's a lot to learn. But I, I can just say it to to see someone who looked like me in that position was, 
you know, a really powerful experience at that time. What I recall, though, is, is it took me actually years, at least two years, to be able to watch him um, publicly. I had this deep fear he was going to be assassinated. Sure. And so I couldn't watch him on newscasts. I couldn't see big presentations, the state of the whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because at that time, that was probably the first time I was aware of the negative side of social media in that way. It moved from like being connected to my family to like being inundated with racism, and um, and so so that was uh, interestingly too. That was that was also in that time frame that it went public. It was was after his election. So, anyways, um, I digress. It was it was both good and bad, right? Like it was, I, I was aware that he it felt like there was this, this gloom and doom. It was almost like I couldn't celebrate it. Um, but, but absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's sometimes the, the, the most we can do for change is be visible. Right. Yeah. Um, that at least that's my, my thought on it. We can't, um, cause oftentimes, and I think this was true. We, we saw this for eight years of Obama's presidency. That was probably the most effective thing he could do for younger generations was be visible. Certainly his, his initiatives and his, his ability to work was blocked at almost every turn. You know, he was undermined. He mm -hmm. was, you know, mm -hmm. um, um, not treated like a leader by, by many people. Um, However, I, I think that was a powerful thing to see, to see that. Mm -hmm. um, and even in, I, I should say, even in, and it wasn't just in exclusive to, um, you know, the white community that I felt the danger. There was also a lot of dialogue and from some, you know, people of color who were not happy that it was a biracial right. man and not a, a black man and there are still people today who feel like he didn't do enough or do anything for black people and so so I'm of one opinion um, and, and I and I get that um, but I I think it was a um, is that, is said, that, powerful is, experience. Is that a qualifier Nick? It is a qualifier. <laughs> it is a qualifier. So, so since we're being very clear on, on racial lines yes that, yeah. that you know we want to be clear that that um, there's several schools of thought out there. Oh yeah, yeah. What what fascinates me and what what made what made me think when you said that was um, just and I know we have actually talked about this before, but just how squeaky clean you're forced to be as a person of color um, in that situation, um, and and to think that the this, there were no scandals in that yeah. entire the eight tan years. Suit. Yeah, the tan suit. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I always talk about. It's amazing to me because you know that every per every person in the GOP was looking as hard as they could for the smallest thing yes. to get this guy on. Um, not only that, but I feel like there was a lot of black, like you said before, like there's a lot of black people that didn't think he did enough for the black community. Uh, I was watching, and this this was a comedy show, but like there's always a little bit of truth to it. Like it was a comedy show, uh, a Cat Williams, mm -hmm. and he was saying how himself and the black community was waiting for him to say something say something that was just like hey black people i'm gonna like we're gonna do this like we're gonna we're gonna do this i'm gonna legalize this for you guys i'm gonna let you guys do this you know and he said that there wasn't anything there but like it's like the rep like you said the representation the fact that he's in office the fact right. that he worked so hard to be in that position makes it possible for other people to work that hard and be in that position as well. And so the fact that Obama not only had to watch his back from the white people that were after him, 
but he had to all also his own community of black people. Like yeah, what were, a tough position yeah. to be in as the as the first black president. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, so my so my next question because I know we're, we're it's amazing how fast time always goes on this. <laughs> um, but one thing I wanted to touch on since we have this multiple younger generations with us is uh, is religion politics and religion like the things we love to talk about right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious uh, both Solomon and Jordan um, what is it uh, that both attracts you to different um, religion religious ideas and what is it that detracts you from that and um, and do you see it as something in your generation that's even relevant Because in I, I'll, I'll, in politics, it seems like both locally and nationally, like these religion and politics are very intertwined mm-hmm. unnecessarily. <laughs> but they're not supposed to be, right? That's right. They're not supposed to be. <laughs> uh, I personally don't consider myself particularly religious. I'm more spiritual. I believe that there's someone is out there, someone higher than us, someone bigger than us. But, you know... Like like we talked we talked about on my podcast how uh, we'll never get those answers and so sometimes I'm a little refrained from being like oh I'm part of this one group. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I feel like Christianity or at least not Christianity but Christians, uh, a lot of Christians, not all Christians, play this game where they're like yo if if this person is this you shouldn't like them or this person is like this you shouldn't <laughs> like them. Not the Christian faith but Christians in general are more. Judgment. I want to say judgmental or hateful towards other religions. Uh, I've met plenty of people from other religions, and they're always so open for you to still be the way you are, but like learn about where they're from, what they do. Uh, and that's something that I really want to do once I get older. I want to travel to different places. I want to learn different religions because, like we said, religion is connected to politics a lot, and we don't want it to be, but sim- like it just simply is. And so... Uh, you get a lot of answers about people's ideologies once you hear uh, what they believe in. Uh, foods, culture, dance, uh, every art to a culture comes from their religion and what they believe in. And so that's a really big thing for me. Uh, I just want to get it all and learn it all and mm-hmm. uh, feel connected to the people who like aren't like me. And it stems from religion for me. High five on that one. Feeling connected to the people that aren't like you. That is that is the piece of this that um, I'll personally take away, but that I think everyone should take away, too. That's an important no, no. one. Yeah. Go for it, Solomon. All right. I don't think I'm religious at all, because, uh, one, I don't think, like, I don't have the commitment to just, like, for, like say Christianity. I don't have the commitment to, especially now, like, in the time that we live in, there's, like, so much stuff that you're connected to, like on the internet, on social media and stuff. And it's just hard to stay committed to like one faith and just live life. Well, and Solomon, I I should say you, um, <laughs> you go to a openly religious Catholic uh, charter school so they 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 are identify as a Catholic charter so they um, run like most other parochial schools and you have mass and you have you just read at mass what Friday <laughs> so but however there's different 
there's diff- kids that have different religious representation in your school. So you have exposure to a lot of different ways of thinking. Yeah. So I just... They're still my friends, but I, like, we don't really have a religious, like, talk. Like, like what religion are you? We just talk about other stuff, like sports or something. Mm-hmm. So, so I've you- never really had a religious conversation with any of my friends. And you haven't felt being there that that's ever forced on you or anything? No. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question, Solomon. Yeah. So you guys, and I'm not saying that you like totally don't, I feel like there's like a negative kind of connotation when you say you don't care, but is it more, because I, I feel that a lot of ways too, uh, when I first was thinking about religion, I was like, well, it doesn't really matter to me. So is that what you were trying to say? Like yeah. religion isn't something that's like, super big or super super important like you know it exists and you know that it means a lot to a lot of people it just like doesn't weigh as heavy to you as a lot of other things that are going on in your life right that's some good clarity thank you jordan so not that you don't care but (laughs) (laughs) see i'm so used to listening to him i know what he means when he says it good clarity yeah yeah, that's that's cool. So so what what have been your big takeaways from being at this school? Like like if you if you think of this as a religious school, which it is kind of an intentionally religious school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you feel like have been the positives from being part of a school that has a a, a religious aspect to it? Uh, a connection to the other Catholic schools. Like McQuaid, oh, okay. so so the belonging to a greater community. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because currently I'm looking at McQuaid. Uh, I have a. They introduced me to. I, I get a different introduction to McQuaid than maybe other people from like. City schools. Yeah, city schools. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you learned some stuff. Yeah. Cool. What's what's um. Um, I know we haven't we haven't spoken explicitly about this a lot yet this episode, but what is what is the um, race component like at a religious school, or do you feel like re- religion plays into any of that or? Nah, there's a mix of everything. Like there's yeah. nothing. There's no greater side of which race at my school. Well, there's no white students. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> zero. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Cool. Just the teachers. Yeah. Oh, but the teachers are. That's interesting. Yeah. Are there are there um, are there any teachers of color? None that no. I don't think so. No. No. <laughs> so how do you, there either is or there isn't. No. <laughs> so how do you think that plays into the way you guys learn or the way you guys get comfortable with your teachers? Having those white teachers talk to predominantly black, Latino, or whatever. Asian. A- yeah. Yep. There's. It doesn't really, like, I don't see in a, a difference on how they uh, teach us. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just normal, like, how my old school was. They were just teaching us, teaching us all the same. And nobody's, uh, they look at us all the same. And as my one of my teachers explained to us, she looks at us all the same. Uh, and she doesn't, she has no favorites. Well, and just to clarify, I don't know if I've said this in our podcast discussions, but Solomon, through he's in a middle, he's been in this middle school since fifth grade, and he went to number one school, 
for all of his elementary. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the dynamic there in that city school was probably, um, there were probably more minority students, meaning the, the, there were a lot of white children in that city school. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the makeup was different than maybe, you know, uh, a school, the school on Lyle Ave or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Lexington. So this was back when school one was on Norris or or just behind yes. there on Hillside. Avenue. Well, when school one was school one, I don't think yeah. it exists anymore. Right. But mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. That was when I was around uh, Cobbs Hill, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Norris yeah, yeah. Drive, I think, is yeah, the, okay. the actual. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think he's from elementary school, even though he was in a city school. Well, but that still is a discussion, right? That there are predominantly white teachers. Oh yeah. In the it's, city a it's a it's so, a major yeah, problem. That, yeah. yeah. So I guess that yeah. being number one school maybe not wasn't necessarily a factor. However, I do think the the student population is different for him now. Yeah. Yeah. We can uh, you know, this, this makes me think, I, I would love to have an entire one to 17 hour conversation just about, <laughs> just, just about schools, because it's such a fascinating topic, especially here in this area. Um, but, well, and it needs a lot of discussion, It needs right? a lot, yeah, yeah, mm. <laughs> for sure. Well, cool. I think we, uh, we are pushing our time. We are just at almost an hour. Um, are there... Are there any final words from from our our wonderful guests today, Solomon and Jordan? Um, anything you want to leave people with? I do want to give an opportunity to throw out your um, your IG DMs for people. <laughs> Did you say that right? <laughs> okay. You can follow me on Instagram at Solly Cinnamon. <laughs> DM him. What is Please it? Sol Solly what? Solly Cinnamon. Solly Cinnamon. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So old I nickname. Like <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, takeaway uh, is to just like, just learn. Just learn about other people. Try to connect with other people. Uh, conversation is comprehension to me. Like, you get to understand different people's story. You get to understand people's culture, like I was saying earlier. So make sure you just go out and be open. And people will be open to you as well. Uh, my Instagram is jordanc21601, and the Instagram for my podcast is the number four DA Future Official. So make sure you go follow that, subscribe. Well, not subscribe. Yeah, subscribe on our YouTube, actually. Uh, and make sure you DM us with questions and, you know, anything you guys want to talk about in later episodes. Yeah, please make sure you check out For the Future. It is a great podcast, especially... Uh, for those of you that are looking for the perspective uh, from teenagers of our time, it's, it's really mm -hmm. interesting. So um, one more thing from Solomon. Uh, thank you for having me, and I hope to keep talking about these things. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. Well, thank you guys, uh, everybody, so much for listening to A Friend of a Friend. Be sure to subscribe on Google Podcasts or iTunes, and we will see you next time.